Oh, goodness, they said that I could not make it. You ever been told that in your life? They said that I just would not make it. Do you ever believe that in your life? Someone said that to you, you're just not going to make it. You know, a newcomer comes on the scene. Have you ever thought that about anyone yourself? Oh, I have questions about this one. I'm just not sure they're going to make it, you know? Or did you just pronounce it on them like a judgment? You're not going to. You're not going to make it. Oh, what a wonderful song to remind us of days and times. And maybe it was yesterday that someone told you, you are not going to make it. And then the song reminds us that in all things, God is still working for our good. Even when people make these proclamations and point and keep you away, that God is working for your good even in those moments. I have a friend who grew up in Laredo with Spanish as his first language, and he moved to Houston some decades ago, and in the move, he wanted to find friends here in the town. So he found this social business organization, and he went to one of their gatherings. As he went there, to this beautiful home in a nice neighborhood. He walked in and was visiting, and the owner of the home looked at him and said, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I don't know if it's because English was his first language and that his skin was a different tone than the person who owned the home. We don't know that the owner didn't like maybe baby lawyers, which he was. He said, you're just not going to make it. Fast forward a couple of decades and that friend bought that home. And I said, well, are you over it now? And sometimes we do that. We try and accumulate things and pull things around us so that we have a sense of worth in our lives. We have a sense of all those who may have told us we couldn't make it, we're going to show them we made it. And we're going to show them we made it by that third car or that boat or that second home or that whatever it is, my name on the big giving list down at the fundraiser. We're just going to let them know we made it. We made it. And they're going to know our name that we made it. This isn't an uncommon habit. It happens all the time. It's actually a part of what they train you to do when you go out raising money for nonprofits. They put their name on the building. You know, put their name on the building. So it's not something that's awful. It's just a way of helping people get acknowledged as they're generous and give funds. But the scripture today is taking us to a different place than that. The scripture is saying no matter where you start in generosity or giving in your life, there's another step for you to take. Whatever you think you've done, you've accomplished however many names are on however many buildings. If you finally walk through those doors that were once shut to you, there's still another step for you to take. There's another step in generosity. There's another way for you to be connected to God in this world through love and hope and open-heartedly giving, as the reading said this morning from the Mishnah. Maimonides was the great doctor rabbi that that reading is paraphrased from, and he's telling that story of the begrudging giver to the open-hearted giver and the step-by-step growth to his five-year-old granddaughter. Can you imagine that uh, an Orthodox rabbi sitting down with a five-year-old granddaughter telling them this story? That was not my bedtime story. (laughs) That's not what I heard. Uh, We did read out of the Illustrated Children's Story Bible, but they were a little bit more prepared for kids. So here's Rachel Naomi, her grandfather, Orthodox Jewish rabbi, 
teaching from Maimonides to her this reading as simply as the rabbi could to a five-year-old. And so five-year-old Rachel says, wanting to be the good and the best like we try to be, good little boys, good little girls, you know, so that we do make it, trying to be her best self, says to her granddad at that time, says, I will only do it the right way, Grandpa. I won't give level one, level two, level three. I'm going to give level eight all the time, Grandpa. You don't have to worry about me. I'm going to be a good little girl, and I'm going to do it right. Granddad looks at her and asks a question. Granddad says, okay, what if someone gave, if everyone gave at level one with begrudging? Would there be more or less suffering in the world? Would there be more or less suffering in the world? Andre's going to share with us the rest of that story. Here we have a special sort of thing. Suppose we all gave to those around us as the first man does, begrudgingly offering a coat we have bought in the presence of witnesses to someone who has need and who asks us for help. If we all did this, would there be more suffering or less suffering in the world than there is now? I thought for a long time, the need to do the right thing battling in me with the simplicity of grandfather's question. Less suffering, Grandpa. I said finally, in some confusion, ah yes, he said, beaming, this is true. Some things have so much goodness in them that they are worth doing any way that they can be. Some things are worth doing any way that they can be. Level one through eight, God can use the gift given in whatever way, in whatever state, for good, and God will. Some things are worth doing regardless of whether we feel like it or not. Thank you. Finished in the front row. Some things are worth doing, and we go ahead and do them. We may or may not do them in the most perfect way, but we go ahead and try. We go ahead and try. So Jesus is talking to someone like Rachel was at five years old. She's talking, he's talking to a young person who comes who has many properties, and the young person says, Jesus, tell me, tell me what to do to inherit eternal life. Tell me, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus looks at the person and says, well, probably knows he's trying to be the best little boy or girl in the world, Right? Jesus loves them. Jesus looks at the person and loves them, but tells him, this is what you do. You keep the commandments. You keep the commandments. You don't kill. You don't commit adultery. You don't all these commandments. You keep these commandments, Jesus says. And so the young person kind of affirms for Jesus, yes, he's the best little boy in the world, but I've done all that, Jesus. Don't you know I've kept all of those since my birth? I've done all the right things, My goodness gracious, I'm glad I wasn't there talking to Jesus. (laughs) 
But he says, I've kept all the commandments my whole life long. And the scripture tells us at this response, Jesus looks at the person and loves them. Because their heart is trying. Even if they haven't stretched to the place Jesus wants them to stretch to, their heart is trying. So in love, Jesus then says to this person, well, then go and give all that you have to the poor. And the person walks away sad because they had many properties. Go and give away that which you're most attached to or that's what's keeping you from life or that's what's keeping you from love or that what's keeping you from trusting in God. Release it into the world. Then you can follow me. Then you're with me. Then you are truly a disciple. Oh, goodness, Jesus. Couldn't you think of something a little bit easier? You know, couldn't you think of something a little bit easier? And some of us squirm a little bit because we like our boat. You know? We like our collection. Walter, where is he? We like our <laughs> we like we like all of these things in our life, and we wonder, Jesus is saying, whatever we are wrestling with, that we're holding on to the tightest, maybe exactly that thing we need to release for our own freedom, for our own ability to engage Christ in a new way. This day, we invite you to take another step into whatever that is for you to take another step in generosity, to take another step in time and service, to take another step. Whatever that is for you, if that's making phone calls or giving out food, bags of food. And I want to talk to you about what that might mean for this church, because this church is doing a lot of great work. And we do a lot of great work because each of you has taken steps to be generous to this church. We're able to do that. We're able to host a dance on Friday night for emotionally challenged young people where the girls group met the boys group and they had like a prom dance in our activities building. It was exciting to see. We were happy to host dogs on Saturday. And we had our own people bring their animals, lots of dogs, and one very calm cat. <laughs> I say very calm because I was surprised, but one very calm cat for blessing. And then inside the building, there was about 50 dogs there for training. And so they invited us to come into their event and to bless all the animals inside. And so these little miracles happen all the time at our church because we have been generous enough to invite people in and to have open doors for them to come and participate and find God's love with them. And so this is the time of the year where we remind you of these good things and so many more we can't really list them all. And invite you to be a part of taking another step in your generosity to this congregation. And one of the ways that we've talked about that in the scriptural language is called tithing. For some of you, that's a new word. Tithing? What are they talking about? That must be one of those old words, and it is a very old word. you know. But it's a word in scripture that talks about bringing your first fruits. Bringing 10% of what you received during the year back and offering it at the temple. Bringing your first fruits, your first 10%. And we know that not everyone is there. That this is a step-by-step -step thing. You start where you are and you grow. But what's compelling about it to me is Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus says, give everything. You know, in the tradition of the church and the scripture, it just says 10%. Maybe I should be happy with that, Jesus. 
you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I can learn to grow there to that space. I know it took me 45 years to grow to a place where I was actually giving 10% of my income to the church. Step by step, I had to grow into that space of being generous. And I want to give you an example of what that might look like in your own life. So we've put this slide up here. We encourage you step by step to just think about it and look at what you're doing already. So if you earned 40000 a year, a 10% tithe would be $4,000 a year. If you've never thought about doing that before, that's going to be too high. If you have debt and credit cards you have to pay off, that's going to be too high. We want you out of debt first. We want you to empty the credit card balances first. Then we want you to be in good financial health and to give. Give as God calls you to give. But get out of that trouble. No one needs to stay there. Then if you don't give 10% but you give 5%, that's 2000 And we think that's a good goal for beginners to look at and say, this is what I want to aim for. I want to aim for this 5000 and see what it might take for me to get there. Not 5000 what did it say? 2000 2000 out of, out of 40000 That turns out to be 166 66 a month. The 10% was 13333 a month. And I know some of you tithe because when I see the statements and they have cents and pennies on them, someone's done some math. <laughs> someone's done some math and figured that out. And some of them don't give the 66 cents. They want to round it up. So it's 67 cents on, on theirs. But so I know some of you are already thinking about proportional giving. But step by step, there's a way for you to grow into that if you've never experienced it before. And if you're already doing it, our challenge for you this year is to consider growing by 1% or 2% in what you're giving now. And so if you're giving a 1% more for this, that would be $33.33 more a month. Or 2%, that would be $66.66 a month. I don't know about you, but my Comcast bill is higher. You know? When I look at this in relationship to how I prioritize my spending, I think, oh, goodness, am I okay with giving the church the same amount as my eating out bill or whatever other expense you want to compare it to? But think about it and step by step make a plan. And what we want you to know, whether you make it begrudgingly, God's going to teach you something. If you're going to make it open-heartedly, God's going to teach you something more. And each moment you do this, know that God's working with you all along the way. So simply try. Figure it out, pray, and try, and God is going to bless you along the way. Because in this place of generosity, we know Jesus talked more about it than anything else in Scripture. Have you heard that? Jesus talked about generosity more than anything else in Scripture. What that tells me is that's the thing we hold the tightest and that we have to over and over again let our hands go so we can become free. Now, you might think that Jesus is done with you today, but Jesus isn't. Oh, my goodness. What does it take to inherit eternal life? What does it take to inherit the one wanting to be good, ask, is seeking? And we have a lot of people answering that today. They say things like, well, forgive your sins and take Jesus into your heart. Called the sinner's prayer. It's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, confess and I'll forgive you and then invite me into your heart. That's not the response. Salvation and private salvation is a part of a journey, but it's not the end place. 
I want you to hear the answer. Jesus says, follow the commandments and you will find life. Give all you have to the poor and you will find life. Boy, Jesus, can't you just tell me to receive you into my heart and forgive my sins? That makes me feel good. You're asking me to take another step further. Recognizing that I'm in relationship with you to calling me to be in relationship with all that is. Not just my own personal salvation, but in my own personal salvation, the salvation of the world, the salvation of all community, the salvation of all life. Is that really what you want me engaged in? Sell all that you have. Once you've done that, once you've given it to the poor, come along. Come along. You will be one of my followers there's a wonderful writer, Miguel de la Torre, that says it in a unique, justice-oriented way, and I want you to hear this from Reverend Andrea as she shares it with you. Jesus connects the salvation of the rich one with a response to the poor. Jesus attempts to force this rich one, as well as us today, to move beyond an abstract belief in Christ to a material response to those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, alien, sick, and incarcerated. Jesus links salvation with our response to the least of these. The Gospel of Mark fails to show how the rich young man is responsible for the plight of the poor or even has enriched himself at their expense. But because he is rich, he automatically becomes linked to their poverty. Simply stated, no one gets into heaven without a, re a reference letter from those who are poor. To ignore the cry of those who are marginalized is to deny Christ's message. Really, Jesus? Really, Jesus? A reference letter from the poor? Where do I go to get that? You know, where do I go to get that? What do I do? Reference letter for the poor. And Jesus will say, don't set up rules about this. Grow in generosity in your heart. Know me more deeply. Continue to grow in generosity. Recognize that your wealth is connected to the least of these. And you will be my disciple we might want to write this off as Jesus teaching one person with a prescription just for them. I've heard that preached. This was just for this rich young man. No, it's for all of us, not just for this rich young man. Some people try to say, well, it just means that we have to be willing to let go of our resources and to be generous. Not that we actually have to do it. You ever heard that preached? You know, we just have to be willing to think about the homeless or the hungry and willing to believe that we really would take the bag and hand it to someone and look them in the face and tell them they're God's beloved child. But we really don't have to do it. Oh, goodness, Jesus isn't saying you have to be willing and then you're my disciple. Jesus is saying no. All life is connected. You are my people. If you want to be with me and follow me, be free. 
let go of anything that separates you from others in the world, and it may be your wealth. It may be something else. And in so doing, you will find me right in the midst, because I have been with you all the time, praying, praying, release, release, and be my child. Amen. When the lights go out, we congregate, and the storm will come. We congregate, and the ground, ground will shake. We congregate, and I shall help you. Cause you'll help me through this trouble at the gates of his heart. When the skies fall down, we congregate and the cities all drowned. We congregate. There's no place to stand. We congregate, and I shall help you. And you'll help me through this trouble at the gates of his heart. This trouble at the gates of his heart it's trouble at the gates of his heart My name is Debbie Skelly, and I'm happy to be with you today as we bless the Feed the 500 bags. I hate to admit it, but I turned 59 a few weeks ago, and I, uh, <laughs> I feel every year, I, I can tell you. Um, and I took a little bit of time to reflect on where I've been and where I would like to go in the next few years. But of these things, I am absolutely certain. I am a child of God and a follower of Christ. I have been with the same person for the last 30 years. <laughs> and we will celebrate our second wedding anniversary next Sunday. I've spent the last 31 years in ministry with the Dominican Sisters as a teacher and counselor at St. Agnes Academy. And I've been a proud member of Resurrection for the last 15 years. And I have spent the last eight years on the board of directors of Pride Charities, the non-profit non organization that oversees our food pantry and clothes closet. So in short, my life's been very blessed in so many profound ways. When I spend my assigned Saturdays in the food pantry each month assisting our clients with groceries and clothing needs, I get a glimpse of where I really would like to go in my future. 
I'd love to spend as much possible time as I can in service to others. Through the love and constancy of a board of directors and a couple of volunteers, and if, you have, if you're currently on the board or you've ever volunteered in the food pantry, please stand up. Thank you. You know, currently we're only open four days a month, two Saturdays and two Tuesdays. However, we serve well over 100 clients each and every one of those days we're open. And person to person, I feel like we all feel like those might be the best three to four hours that we spend each month. We're always looking for volunteers to join us, so please consider that. This ministry is probably the most important thing to me now, but it is an outgrowth of the many ministries I've been involved with during my time at Resurrection. So I can still remember the first thing I ever did here at Resurrection. Jeanette and I came up to church on a Saturday to help clean the campus. Somewhere right over there by the oleander bushes near the swing set, I was cleaning out some weeds and got the worst case of poison ivy I have ever had. I mean like emergency clinic, hospitalization poison ivy. Um, so I figured I better search for some other more safe ways to serve the church. <laughs> I've served on finance committees, bylaw committees, helped with the capital campaign, been here to help with bingo, attended just about every play, musical, musical production we've hosted, and I did serve six really wonderful years as a member of the board of directors. Uh, my passion is for serving others, and I feel like my time, talent, and treasure has been really utilized well and to the fullest here at Resurrection. Jeanetta and I are invested in the work of this church, and we know that our financial commitment is going to support those things that are important to us as a family and important to this church as a whole. During the month of October, we ask you to consider what you are going to share in 2016, just as Jeanette and I will do. We will fill out our commitment card and bring it back with us to service on October 25th because we know there is so much more in store for us and for this church. As a person brought up in the Catholic faith tradition, I've been processing Pope Francis's recent visit to the United States. I tried to watch as much of the media coverage as I could, and I feel like even if we agree or disagree with the Pope, he is committed, as I am, to t us taking care of each other. I believe that we can do this in big ways and we can do this in small ways as well. The Feed the 500 campaign is an outgrowth of Pride Charity's desire to engage our community in acts of giving. It's also a very good example of how we can take care of the least of our brothers and sisters. If you're looking to volunteer in a more meaningful way, I, I just want to give you our, our uh, email address. It's info at pride-charities.com, and we'll get back with you and give you plenty of opportunities to help us in the pantry in the clothes closet.
Today, I really am asking that I look over there and there's no bags left. That you take as many bags as you want, um, because we know our neighbors are standing on street corners. We know there are many in this city that go without, and this bag is just a token of what we can do to help our brothers and sisters in need. I want to close by telling you something. There was a, a famous 13th century theologian, St. Francis of Assisi, and he said it best when he said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. So please let these bags be your way of preaching the gospel this week. Please join me in picking up these bags because I do believe that our mission here at Resurrection is to demonstrate God's love in action. Thank you. Um, we are going to bless these packages for those in need.